Father David Michael, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Been looking forward to coming back. I know you look different too. With yeah, the hair. I, I, it's much much shorter now than it was last time. I thought you were gonna go for like an apostle look. You know, get it nice and long, and then grow a, and then a grow beard. a beard. I wish I could grow a beard. One of these days. Goatee at least? No. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, Luis, he's got that whole James Harden look going on. Oh, I on. know. He is like the beard. <laughs> when he walks in the room, you know, when he comes in the room, it's like huge. It's awesome. So do you feel like maybe I could do that too? I don't think so. I think uh, I'm not quite there yet. We'll see. It may not be a gift I have. <laughs> not part of my charism. We'll see. Well, hopefully we won't ever have to go on lockdown again and find out. Yeah, seriously. The last time we had you on the show, we were in the middle of the pandemic. Everything had just pretty much started. You and I, we were on opposite ends of this room. Now, finally, we're close together and we can actually talk yeah, to yeah. each other. The last time we were all distancing and everything, <laughs> and it's nice to have things a little bit more normal now. Was it rough for you and Father Dad being far away from everyone? Like during the it pandemic. was definitely different. Yeah, yeah. It's not something that like they they trained you for in seminary. It's like oh, when the pandemic hits, you know, and you can't you know do all these things. Not something you necessarily prepared for it directly. Um, and a lot of things obviously had to change. Um, but uh, you know, I I really felt like this is this is why I'm a priest. You know, is because the world is unpredictable and things are fragile, and we need to always make sure that we're focusing on the most important things. So for me, it was like okay, this is the next challenge when it comes to comes to priesthood, you know, how can we respond to this? Yeah. And I, you know, looking back, there are definitely some things you're like, man, we could have done that. We could have done this, right? You know, hindsight's twenty uh-huh. twenty. But I think overall, I'm glad that we we kept the focus that we did um, and, and, and got through it and continued to get through it. How did the news hit? Like what happened in the parish when the news hit, like we're all going to shut down? Yeah. Well, did, it's amazing how fast it happened, right? Really? There were like murmurings about like this, this COVID thing, you know, uh-huh. we were talking about it. And then I remember we, we had a youth retreat for the confirmation kids that we were going to have that weekend. Oh, yes, that's right. And we were getting ready to go. And, and then it was like, Thursday, it was like, maybe we shouldn't do this, you know, and looking back, it's like, a, I can't believe we ever thought we were going to do it, you know what I mean? But um, at the time, it was like, maybe we only decided not to, and then we had mass, but didn't expect a lot of people to come, the obligation was removed that weekend, uh-huh. I think we all thought it was going to be like a couple weekends or something, you know, and it's yeah. kind of, looking back now, it's like crazy, we did not know how much things were about to change, you know, we went to 50% for mass, and I think it was 25%, and then eventually, you know, couldn't Shut have mass down. publicly yeah. for a while, we were live streaming everything, scrambling to do that. So um, looking back, I don't think we realized just how intense things were about to get, you know. I mean, it was like, so my family, we were here helping serve the the mass when no one was here. Yep. And the thing I always tell people is it's a strange feeling because you feel like you're lucky that you're there. You're thanking God that you're able to attend mass. But at the same time, there's this feeling of guilt, mm. like what have I done to deserve to be here when the rest of my church family isn't here? So it almost makes you cry when you, yeah. when I think about it, did you, what, what was the feeling for the priests during that whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, I was thankful to be a priest, right? I was thankful to still be able to offer this sacrifice um, for the people of God, you know, um, even though people weren't able to come be with us physically at the mass um, and that we, we were mourning that loss. Uh-huh. Um, there's still a very real sense in which as a priest, I offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. Like that's my job okay. is like Jesus to offer sacrifice for the people. So I was still saying mass for everyone. You know, I was still saying mass for them, uh-huh. even if they couldn't necessarily be there for that mass, right? Uh-huh. So um, a, a real gratefulness to be a priest, but also a, a unity with the people who, like you said, were struggling from not being able to yeah. be there. And I'm glad, I'm glad people wanted to be there and it was hard not to be right that's a sign yes. of love you know not ha- mourning something that you you've lost is a sign of love for that thing if people didn't care they couldn't come to mass that would be even more of, of a tragedy right so um just kind of keeping those two things things in tension you know the technology of you know live streaming and all of that thank god we had all of that during covid i just can't imagine what it would have been like before the internet if a pandemic hit yeah, yeah. And to be able to still connect with people, just to communicate yes. with people, I think was huge. Um, and I'm glad we were able to do that. I'm glad Father Dad jumped right on it, you know, and was like, oh. let's, let's go, let's do it. This is this is the the challenge we have. How are we going to respond to it? You know, let's focus on it. Um, so I'm glad that, that he did that. And I was right there with him. 
Um, I, I do think, you know, with all good things, um, you have to always make sure you're careful how you use them, you know, mm-hmm. because long-term we don't, we don't want to become dependent on a live stream. That's you know, I was true. talking with a buddy of mine who's a priest recently and sacraments are, um, are so physical, right? So like even today's, today's gospel, we hear about a lady who uh, Jesus heals her and he, he lays hands on her, right? That's uh-huh. where the healing comes from. Yes. So for us to be present with the community, have our bodies there to receive the Eucharist is huge. And a live stream is a good thing to do. It's good to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to FaceTime a friend. It's not the same as being with your friend. Yes, that's It's good to yes. FaceTime your family having dinner. It uh-huh. is not the same as eating dinner with them. Mm-hmm. So it's good to watch mass, certainly. It's not the same as being there. It's good to watch people receive the Eucharist. It's not the same as actually receiving the Eucharist yourself. So, so many benefits to live stream, but also good to recognize there's no actual re- replacement substitute for really being with the body of Christ and receiving the body of Christ. During the Wednesday night, live stuff. So that was a huge thing for the parish. A lot of people were waiting for Wednesday night live, Michael, <laughs> not just what you guys were going to eat, but also, you know, the conversation. Yeah. We knew it was a shared experience. What was it like on your end? It was fun. So we had started doing those, I think before the pandemic, right? We were doing like a monthly kind of live stream to talk with the parish. Okay. And we started doing yes, it every right. Wednesday uh-huh. when the pandemic hit to kind of connect with people. And we tried to make it fun. You know, we started, you kind of alluded to, we started doing uh, <laughs> different food challenges. One Each week, Father Dow and I would pick a food out for the other person to have to eat. I ate all kinds of crazy stuff that I... <laughs> What's the thing that you remember the most? Um, well, I gave him a scorpion to eat, which he ate. He gave me... A pickled chicken feet. Oh, that was pickled horrible. chicken feet. Oh boy, stinky tofu. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was a lot. I of crazy remember you stuff. you mentioning durian. Durian fruit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just a random lunch. He was like, "You ever had durian?" And I was like, "No, I'll be down to try though." And he was like, "You want to try some now?" He had some in the freezer, and I was like, "Okay." And so he got it, and it was actually delicious. I really liked the durian fruit. Highly would recommend. To I people. can't get over the smell. My wife loves it, and I know it tastes good. I've tasted it, but I just can't get past the smell. Smell is bad. <laughs> but once you start to eat it, the smell kind of goes away, right? Oh. A little bit. I maybe I, I haven't like. gotten to that point. <laughs> you know, maybe I've just tasted a little here and there. It tastes there good, go. but uh, gotta jump in. Now the smell's on my fingers. You know? Yeah, yeah, it, it's strong. <laughs> so you did did a whole bunch of people like send like suggestions for things to eat. It was fun getting the comments from people. Yeah, all <laughs> kinds of suggestions and responding to what we were talking about. Um, it was really fun to be able to connect with people on such a natural level. Did um, other parishes have different difficulties compared to Saint Faustina? Like, did, did they share? Did any of the priests reach out to you? Yeah, we, we definitely were communicating with other priests, kind of what they were doing, talking about live streaming, things like that. Uh-huh. To your point, not everybody had the same infrastructure we did to do that. You know, so that was a real gift that we had, volunteers, people like you coming and do music, that kind of stuff, uh-huh. I think was think was huge. Um, you know, different financial stuff on different levels with parishes. Everybody kind of experienced it on a, on a different level. I would guess the smaller parishes probably had a little more difficulty Compared to the larger ones, huh? Yeah, I would, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, and maybe not having the same kind of kind of resources. So, you know, as a priest, trying to support your brothers as best you can, you know, and all kind of be there for each other in a time that was was very, you know, totally unprecedented. And speaking about opening things up, when things started to open up, I guess you guys were as happy as we all were yeah. to finally be able to come in. Because I, I do remember uh, the first weekend, I think it was. I saw a lady just standing outside of the parish and she was crying. She was like, I'm finally back. I'm back. I've been wanting yeah. to do this. And, and you know, it makes you be so thankful. Yeah. Did a lot of people share stories with you about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, that this first weekend's having people back was just, it was just such a gift, you know. It's just beautiful to be able to to be together again and to hear people's stories. Yeah, and you'd see people crying coming up for communion. Oh, and gosh. See, I'm getting teary just thinking yeah, about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, to not to not have it does does really increase the the longing for it, you know. So even though itself not a good thing, not to be able to come to mass at all, um, you know there are there there is there is a certain perspective that you gain from that and appreciation, you know, for yes. all of us that uh, we can't take these Sundays for granted, you yeah. know, like we really can't. Um, and so, you know, we experience it now with, in terms of like a virus, but who knows in the future how our freedoms might, you know, um, even religious freedom, that kind of thing. Not ever in the world did everybody have that, you yeah, know? That's so like true. that's something we should really be grateful for every Sunday that there's so many things that might threaten our practice of the faith. And let's, let's really appreciate every moment that we're able to, to practice it freely. Is there any talk about what might happen if uh, a really terrible variant of 
the COVID comes back up? Is there like a plan or something or? I think um, you know, now that, that they've gone down that route, the diocese has a lot more information on how to respond to that. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't necessarily hear a lot of a lot of talk about an expectation of that happening okay. necessarily. Um, and it's as like, a priest, let's not jinx it, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's not talking about. Um, but as a priest, I'm gonna I do what my bishop. I promised obedience to my bishop. So to, to whatever he says to do is is how I respond. Now, one of the things that we lost during the whole pandemic was. The concert for life, your the one that you do every year. We weren't able to do that one in 2020, so finally, we're able to come back with another concert. What was that like? Finally, being able to, you know, plan the concert again. Did you kind of have to um, shake off the rust a little bit? Yeah, no, it was awesome to be able to come back. And obviously, yeah, we, we did miss it, miss it last year. The one benefit of taking a year off is it does give me more time to work on other music and that kind of thing. And so I think the show is probably better if you take a year off, you know, because it kind of packs it into new it. songs. And yeah, exactly. And different stuff. ideas. Yeah, 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 for sure. So um, I think it was nice to maybe have a little bit more time for the buildup, but it was awesome to, to be planning it again and to be practicing with the guys, writing new music, you know. Um, it's good for me to have, I work well with deadlines, right? So the fact that the concert's <laughs> on this day, it's like, I need to write music, I need to get things together to, to make it happen. So, um, and then of course, to be able to support Houston Prairie and Help Centers. I mean, yes. that's, that's really what it's, what it's all about. So I was really thankful to be able to do that again. How much lead time do you need to prepare that concert? Yeah. Like how many months ahead do you need to know? So that's a great, quick, great question. So um, in terms of scheduling it, we, we like to have a few months out to, to set the date, you know, um, to anticipate it. Um, but in terms of actual prepping for the, for the show itself, uh-huh. um, throughout the year, I'm always writing homilies, right? So I'm always thinking about um, the readings, about living the, the Christian life, uh-huh. uh, about the priesthood. And some of those homilies, I think, naturally lend themselves to maybe becoming songs or, you know, some thoughts are a good thought. They wouldn't work for a homily, but they would work for a chorus or something like that. So um, throughout the year, I'm always have tons of voice memos on my phone as I'm driving that I put stuff together. But I don't spend a lot of time necessarily at the piano or at the guitar doing stuff necessarily. Okay. It's a lot of ideas I have. And then probably in the two, three months before the concert is really when I'm going through voice memos, going through notes, putting together fragments of songs, kind of finishing stuff out. Um, for me, once I get the once I get a good chorus, the rest of it's pretty easy to, to put together. But once I have the idea, that's really what I'm what I'm fishing for, you know? Um, and then you know you, you hear this from every everyone who writes music, but or produces any kind of art. Uh-huh. You write a lot of stuff that's not good, and you hope nobody ever hears <laughs> it, right? Like that all needs to be deleted from the face of the so earth. So you've actually done an entire song and said this is not good enough. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would say probably most of the songs I've written, nobody's ever nobody's ever heard. Really? Yeah, yeah. But that's I think that's how you get good at it, and you pick the ones that are good. And even before the show. I, I had a lot more songs that I was I was going through and I was sending them to um, a couple people kind of on my team that helped me go through homilies and, and songs and kind of saying like, play this one, don't play this one. I think this one would fit. This one may not fit, you know, so Who's kind of- part of that team? Um, interesting enough, it's my cousin okay. is one of them. She is uh, just really good and super helpful and brutally honest with me about stuff, which That's I really good. appreciate. Yeah. She'll tell me like, this is awesome. Or like this, you should never say this again. <laughs> you know, so I really appreciate that. And then my dad too, usually usually um, those. So I always send, send my homilies and, and songs too. Um, and I always have them watch videos and things like that before I post them. Um, just to make sure I'm not missing anything. But I often will pull other people into it as well, you know? So um, depending on you know, the situation, I, I often like to get lots of feedback from people um, before I, you know, before I put things out there. Um, so it kind of shaping the set list, you know, um, you want to have probably, uh, for me, like 18 or 19 things we're doing. Some of uh-huh. those are songs, some is like a drum solo, some is a quick thing, you know, whatever it is. Um, so kind of shaping that. But really with the band, it's just um, the guys fly in or drive in like the Monday or Tuesday before. And then we practice Tuesday, Wednesday and show up at the venue Thursday and go. How do you decide who comes? Do you just reach out to priests all over the place like no it's happened pretty organically thankfully uh-huh. so you know father ryan w- when we had him play obviously we we're at seminary together so yes. we started playing together father victor perez i was assigned to his parish so 
um, for a year. So we just like, kind of started jamming together. Okay. You know? So that was pretty natural as well. And then the other, the two guys who are seminarians, um, Father Kevin Linus and Father, Father Mike Elsner, they're from the Diocese of St. Angelo, but we were in seminary at St. Mary's together. So we naturally started started playing. Um, F- Father Kevin is such a good violinist. So he would play at the seminary and I invited him to come. And then it was interesting because two years ago before that concert, I really needed a bassist. Um, really bad. Uh-huh. And I we were asking, I asked a couple people and they weren't able to come. And like, it was like two weeks before and I was like, need somebody. And someone was like, why not Mike? He plays the bass, doesn't he? And I was like, does he? And I'm like, I think so. I think he was in a band <laughs> like in college. So I called him and, and he's an awesome bassist, super good. And so I was so thankful he was able to. It's funny though, because his bass is from like his college days when he played like really heavy metal stuff. So it's a warlock. So like the <laughs> the shape of the body is like the body of the the bass guitar is like it's like this big diamond shape. It's kind of kind of edgy. Oh yeah. So it doesn't it's funny cuz I love the contrast between that and like him as a like all the, all the priests up there doing a concert for life, you know. Uh-huh. So um but it's like it's part of him and it's part of his past and how God has used his gifts. So I, I love the fact that he uses it. Um, you think he might accidentally <laughs> it would do some damage if he if he did um, for sure. You never know. But um, and then Father Michael Earthman, um, he used to play play piano and stuff at the seminary. He's a formator there. So I'd asked if if he would come. So it's God has really put all the guys kind of uh, around. It isn't like I ever put out an ad or something for priests uh-huh. or seminarians. It's worked out really organically, and I'm super thankful that those guys come out to to help with the cause. I mean, a lot of priests are really busy. It must have been really tough getting everybody's schedules to kind of match together so that you could all come together that one night and even just practice. Yeah. No, I think um, the most impressive part of the concert for life is not how many instruments we play. It's not the songs. It's not the punchlines. It's the fact that you can get that many priests together in one room to do something, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) because they all have a lot going on, doing, you know, important things that they need to be at. So the fact that we're able to get together and practice. Um, I think is a, is a real blessing, but we have to make the most of that practice time because you know, come Thursday night, it's it's showtime regardless. Now you were you said you practiced a couple of days in advance, and then the night itself. What what kind of preparation do you do, like mentally backstage? I, I would assume that you you pray with the with the other priests first. What else do you do? Yeah, like we backstage. Definitely, definitely pray together at the practices. We're always praying together to make sure we're aligning our hearts with what the Lord what the Lord wants. Um, so yeah, for me, um, the band is on there. Some, some some of the songs sometimes they're not, but I'm pretty much on there the whole time. So I have to uh-huh. make sure everything is is set on my end. Um, so I, I'm really running through. The thing that is most stressful for me, honestly, is uh, is just memorizing lyrics. So um, people sometimes are like, oh, well, you wrote the song. Shouldn't it be easy to remember <laughs> your own lyrics? But actually, that's the problem for me is that like if you um, – listen to a song on the radio, you just get one version of it and that's it. Yes. If you're writing a song, you have like 20 versions of oh. what you could have written and what you did and what you moved. And so it's all scrambled in your in your mind. It's like, what was my final version of this song? You know, Which I lyrics, I might accidentally sing a lyric that I cut out of the final version cut of the song. Cut out oh. or flip the verse. I decided to do this line first over that one or whatever. So um, it's kind of, when you're kind of crafting everything, you know, you like the final product, but now you have to make sure that's the one that you, that you remember. You that know? makes a lot of sense because I've seen, I've seen concerts and concert footage where they have teleprompters, and I, I wonder why the, why do they have teleprompters? And I figured maybe it's just because you're just so into the moment that you forget sometimes where you are in the song. Maybe you know you're in the middle of a a, a solo or guitar solo or something, but. I, I didn't. I never thought about that. that yeah, the different versions of the song in your that's head. at least for me. And then, and then again, the fact that as a band we're not like on tour or something means that like this is the the one big performance we focus on. So it isn't like I, you know you've we've all sung the songs or played them twenty times. You know, in the last few days, uh-huh. like you have to kind of come back to, and they're still pretty fresh. You know, so that's the biggest thing for me is I'm using the back halls, especially the raps. They're quick, you know, and you got to hit the punchlines. You got to get it right. Uh-huh. So I'm usually in the back um, in the hour or two before just running through all the lyrics um looking at the set list making sure i know what what comes next um so yeah that's kind of where my headspace usually is do you have any of those types of uh diva demands backstage <laughs> I need two dozen brown M&M's or I'm not going on <laughs> I hope I hope I'm not a I hope I'm not a diva um 
but uh, I, I do thankfully there's there's people who help out with stuff who are helping us you know tune the instruments right before the show or put waters out and stuff. So I'm really grateful for the people who who are there to kind of help things go. Smoothly. So there's no there's no Father David Michael the artist in artist mode. Like I, you I your hope personality. Not. No 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 no. I, I I I get in the zone. I get focused. You know. Uh-huh. But I hopefully I'm not a diva. <laughs> when I MC events, my wife says my personality changes. Oh, is that right? She says I'm a diva. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I have, to come, I have to come to one of your events. I get really serious. That's why I'm like, I want it to go perfect. I want right. it to, you know, I want right. to be performing yeah. well. So yeah. you, you don't get, do you struggle with that? Like maybe ego and humility as a priest when you're on stage? Well, you want to make sure, it is interesting because like you're performing, right? Yes. Um, our, our concerts um, openly, we're not playing praise and worship music, right? That we're trying to entertain people for an hour and a half. I love praise and worship music. It's awesome. I'm uh-huh. not very good at it, frankly. If I could do it, I might do that instead. We're really focused on entertainment, right? Uh-huh. So um, you're getting up there trying to help people enjoy the show, which means you're trying to play instruments and you're trying to have fun with it and you're trying to do a good job. Um, so you have to make sure that you're keeping yourself in check, you know, and that you're stay focused on, on what the goal here is, um, which is definitely... Um, for us, pretty clearly, giving glory to God mm-hmm. and, and raising money for Houston Pregnancy Help Centers, you know, to, to save those babies' lives. It's not about um, self-aggrandizement or, you know, trying to make yourself feel good or take an ego trip. So you have to make sure you, I mean, with everything, just as a priest in general, you're up there a lot in front of people. Uh-huh. So you have to make sure you're keeping your, your ego in check. And that's why um, whenever you know someone is honest with you with, with good feedback, it's really helpful, you know, and to have the humility to be like, thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'll, you know, you keep going. So, um, yeah, you definitely have to have to watch that. And you mentioned like there is definitely some level of intensity before yes. the show because um, I mean we had a thousand people come out and we want them we want to use their time well for the next hour and a half. We don't mm-hmm. want to get up there and, and and be messing up on everything, you know. So we do practice hard. We stay focused. We get in the zone and we try to make it make it a good show. So there is a level of focus for sure, uh-huh. but hopefully it doesn't border into you know an ego trip. Well, because. I- a lot of front men for bands, they have huge egos, you know, and it, it, I guess it kind of helps because, you know, you've got that confidence on stage and it must be difficult, you know, trying to balance that out, huh? I would think. You have to keep yourself in check for sure, for sure. Um, you know, somebody does that so well. Father Dad. Really? Is our, our pastor here. He is so good at in front of people. Uh-huh. He is so good at engaging an audience. He is so good at... Um, playing the center of, the, of attention well, you know, and, and in yes. a positive sense, right? As a uh-huh. leader, right? He yes. does that. He's funny. He's engaging. Um, and yet he, as someone who lives with him, he's one of the most humble people I've ever met in my life. He is so willing to step up there and be the guy if he needs it, if the community uh-huh. needs that. If the bishop asked him to come out here and start a parish, which he did, he step up and he does it. But he is at every turn happy to give the attention to anyone else and to invite them. And just the way he's treated me, just inviting me into this, this parish, wanting me to take big masses, wanting me to preach, wanting me to be in front of, front of people, wanting me to think that I'm doing a good job. Like he's so oh, encouraging wow. of me. So I think he's such a good example of of kind of what you mentioned, like yeah. to be up there, to be in the front, to be able to do that well, but to do it with such humility um, and, and, and and like even a self-forgetfulness, right? Where mm-hmm. he's not thinking about himself and how he's being perceived. He's really trying to look at others and see how he can serve. I mean, he's willing to do different things up on the altar, <laughs> like lie down, pull up props and stuff like that. And he just to get his point across. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's that's a wonderful thing about Father Dad. Now, still on the concert, something was missing this year with the concert. It was a huge part of the concert. Last year was, I mean, two years ago when the, the previous concert was a huge thing when Father Ryan came and he played the drums. Standing ovations. I mean, the screaming was off the charts. Yeah. Just seeing him, but he couldn't play the entire time. Huh? He was... He was still kind of, he was, his right. health was still, you know, on the, the downturn, mm-hmm. but he bounced back. What was it like this year? Not, you know, not having him knowing that during preparation, we he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was tough. And, it, and, uh. Um, you know, my, my perspective on, on his life, you know, for me, is just like, I'm just so grateful to have, have been his friend and to have had him as a, as a companion on this journey, you know, through seminary and to have him be part of that group of guys that, you know, I was, I was 
going through this with, you know, I'm just super grateful. And even like the concept for life, I mentioned a story there, how he, uh, he had uh, said he was about to sell his drum set. He'd been playing growing up, but a drum set's a lot, you know, it's uh-huh. a lot to move around and he yeah. was going to be going to parishes and things like that as a seminarian, as a priest. And so he, um, he was going to sell it. And that week I said like, Hey dude, how do you feel about playing for this, this concert for life? You know? And I, I brought that up and he was like, okay, I guess I'm keeping my drum set, you know? And, uh, it's, you know, for him, that's a real, like, it was a moment of like, okay, this is interesting how God works that yeah. we often want to get rid of the things that we are to go serve God. And God often is like, I'm glad you're willing to give that up for me, but I kind of want to use what you are for the kingdom, you know? And so um, we started you know, playing shows together and, um, you know, he became a, a real integral part of, of the concert. And yeah, two years ago, we weren't sure if he'd be able to play because mm-hmm. he was going through the chemo and everything. Yeah, yeah. He lost all of his hair and all that stuff. Um, but he was, he was able to, and he came out and you're right. People just oh. loved it. As, as soon as he came out, when I introduced him, oh, his yeah. father Ryan's always, people went crazy, <laughs> went crazy. And, it was nuts. I mean, yeah. it was loud. Everybody was on their feet. Yeah. And so how far ahead did you know that he's probably not going to be able to do it? you know, yeah. this last well, time, you know, with him, he always, he always bounced back, you yeah. know, like he'd had cancer several times before and he always bounced back. And, um, after the concert, you know, two years ago, um, he got a lot better, played for the pre seminary's basketball game, tore it up out there, you know, uh-huh. it was awesome. So, I mean, kind of credible. He could even do that physically, you know? Um, so even like, even this year, it was like, you know, you had a lot of hope, right? Of course. And, um, yeah. I, uh, I went to visit him um, beginning of the summer and I, I uh, was able to come to his house. We said mass together, which was really beautiful. Oh. We were able to, to talk. And um, I remember then kind of, kind of wondering like how much, how much time do we have, you know, uh-huh. how much time do we have left? And I think he was hoping um, for at least months at that point, um, but it ended up just being about two weeks, you know, wow. after that. Um, and so at that point, to be honest, the, the concert wasn't even on my, it wasn't even on my mind, you know, with okay. him. And so it wasn't until, um, probably a, f- a couple of weeks after the funeral that I was like, wow, he's not even gonna be here for the, for the concert. He's not gonna be here for the game. You know, there were so many moments just personally when I was like, man, I got to call Father Ryan about this. Uh-huh. And then to realize like, I can't do that, you know? Um, and I'd never, I'd heard people having that moment with friends who had passed away and and it was weird to experience it myself. And I was like, you know, you lose a friend and then you're reminded of that and all these things, like the concert, like there are yeah. all these little voids in your life that, um, you know, he was he was there for. Um, uh, thankfully, you know, Father Victor Perez, you know, plays drums. So mm-hmm. he, already, all, he already was helping a little bit with stuff. So he, you know, just took on all the songs Father Ryan would have played. So thankfully for the show, we were still able to work it out. Um, but right before the show started, you know, I... Uh, I had this idea of killing all the lights, putting a spotlight on the drum set, yes. and just saying, "Hey, Father Ryan, this one's for you." You know, and everybody knew what that oh, meant. Yeah, right? everybody knew um, an empty drum set there. And then, uh, yeah, there was a song that we played before in the past um, that it was interesting. I I had uh, written this song about how for us as as priests and and seminarians at the, at the concert, we enjoy playing music, right? But this isn't what we're about, right? We do this a few days a year, yeah. you know? Um, the rest of the time we're here at Confession, St. Mass, trying yes. to save souls. That's the focus. Uh-huh. So that's kind of what the song was about. And um, I uh, was talking to a friend of mine, Deacon Christopher, he'll be a priest in a few months. He's uh, actually baptizing um, Father Ryan's nephew, wow. which is pretty cool, who they actually named Ryan, oh, which wow. is really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So like his legacy you know, lives on in that way. But Deacon Christopher had, uh, he said, hey, you should try to, maybe you should change a verse of that song to be about Father Ryan. Like that would fit really well. Uh-huh. And it's funny because I never liked the third verse of that song. Like it was kind of a throwaway verse. Like I okay. love the song, but the third verse is like, I need a third verse. This works, you know? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that'd be perfect. So I, I spent some time kind of praying with it, thinking of it and came up with a verse that I think brought that song home and hopefully, you know, paid pay, pay respect to, to Father Ryan. I shared some stories about him. Um, so kind of closing out this show with a real tribute to him. Um, and yeah, just about everybody there knows him and remembers him. Oh. And so I was thankful we were able to, you know, pay respect to, to his life in that way. And his mom came, his brother came. So it was really cool to have have them there for it. So his funeral, I'd never seen so many priests. Yeah. In one it was like an ordination. Spot. Like that whole 
line of priests that came up. That was amazing. That was amazing. Just watching that. And of course, you know, everybody gets choked up when yeah. one thing that I, I was kind of struggling with or kind of angry about was we had him scheduled for an interview on the show. Yeah. And he got sick the Friday before the interview. And I was like, oh, I was kind of mad at the same time. Like, why do you think we could have had his story? Yeah. Couldn't we have had his story? But then I realized, you know, after the concert, the funeral and all that, his life was the story already. Mm -hmm. There was nothing left to be said. Yeah. He had already wow. given that example. And that one, that just, when that hit me, I, I said, wow, okay. I'm not angry anymore that he wasn't on the show. And, you know, he, the way he lived his life all the way to the very end. Like you and I have had conversations about how gracious he's been, how graceful he's been through the whole process. I don't think I could have been mm. the way he was, you know, I, I probably would have faced it in a different way. Mm. And, you know, when my time comes, I hope I can just remember him yeah. the way he accepted it. Yeah. I love that perspective. You're right. Like, cause yeah, part of me too is like, gosh, I, I, I wish we had him. Like so many people would have watched this and been so blessed by it, like hearing more of his story. Cause we have some video clips of him yes. and some homilies that have been pieced together. And like all of that for us is so valuable now. Like we're all hanging on to it. So to have like a long form conversation with him would be awesome. But I love your perspective. You're right. Like his life is the final word, you know, from him. It's like, that's that's what he stood for. He gave his life to this and he handled it really with such grace. I was just talking to somebody yesterday that um, you don't know how a person's life works out until it ends, right? Like people yeah. we've known and, yeah. and then they, they make bad decisions later and they kind of change their priorities and they kind of go off the rails, you yeah. know, and there's redemption, but, you know, they're choosing bad paths at that point. Um, but when a person dies, then you can look at like the body of their work, so to speak. Yes. And you can kind of assess like what their priorities were, you know, and with him, it's like, case closed, like he meant it. And yep. he, he was taking this stuff seriously and, and, and he was faithful to the end, you know? Um, and that is is kind of the final word you need on him. Yeah. He just dropped the mic and yeah, that was exactly. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the low point of Father Ryan's funeral, there was a high point too, which was the ordination of four of our priests here in the Galveston, Houston Galveston uh, Archdiocese. It was a huge event. Yeah, lots of people showed up for that one, mm -hmm. and you're close with a couple of these guys. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had we had Father Houston uh -huh. here. We had um, Father Joseph, mm -hmm. and then I'm sure you took some classes with uh, with the other guys as well, or at least have been in the seminary at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. No, so Father Chad and I started uh -huh. seminary the same semester. Oh, I didn't know we did that. Two years in Dallas together. I was a couple years ahead, so I ended up moving here. But we, uh, we we've stayed really good friends. He was just texting me this morning about something, and then Father Houston and Father um, Joseph were here, right? So I've known them for a while, but to have them here in ministry together as deacons was awesome. And then Father Wayne, I was in seminary with as well. So it is kind of crazy as a priest now to be looking back at all these guys joining the ranks. You know, it's you know that ordination was so um, there was just so much hope. Right, yes. like in the midst of kind of yes. the pandemic, and even you know, people are always concerned about this and this in the world, and we should be right. But um, looking at the ordination, I saw you know my classmates who were priests, um, all the other priests in the diocese. I saw the guys getting ordained. I saw the guys serving mass, right? The, the guys who are going to be ordained next year, the deacons. And then I saw the new seminarians coming in. One of them I actually sponsored for confirmation. Oh, so I was a, a deacon at his parish. Um, a few years ago and he asked if I'd be his confirmation sponsor. And then he, he entered the seminary this year. His name is wow. John Paul. And uh, another guy was in our young adult group right here at the parish and he, and he entered seminary as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing all of this and I just thought, gosh, I have a lot of weaknesses, a lot of vices, but a cynicism about the future of the church is just not one of them. Like you cannot <laughs> convince me right now to be cynical about where we're headed because we have so many solid guys so many solid guys who are giving their life to this, you know, and th the Lord knows what he's doing. He's providing, you know, he's providing for his church. He's providing for his flock. Um, and he, he's bringing workers for the harvest, you know? So um, there's just so much hope and, and, and I'm pumped. I'm pumped for what the future holds. We talked to all four of the priests who were ordained at that mass. We heard their different perspectives. 
What about from the perspective of, of a priest while it's going on, seeing your friends? What was that like on your end? Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's so cool because you, you know what it's like, right? You've gone through and that day is just a dream. You know, it's like, this is it. I'm becoming a priest. You know, it's everything that we've, we've focused on and looked toward, you know? So to know that they're going through that and, and to be able to, you know, you know what's in their mind, but you're seeing what's happening. It's just, it's just a real gift. And then for me personally, after the bishop ordains them in, you know, he lays hands on them, mm-hmm. all the priests come through and yes. lay hands on them. So for me to be a part of that, um, to like lay hands on my friends who are now priests. Was that your first time? Yeah, that was because the, la- the one last year, not all the priests were able to go because of the COVID uh-huh. stuff. So to be able to lay hands on them and um, to like welcome them into that fraternity. Yes. To even feel like, okay, man, you take it from here. You know, like um, uh-huh. you're kind of passing on this this priesthood and inviting them into it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's unreal. Did you give them any advice for um, the day itself or? I don't think for the day itself. Um, you know, I, I talked to a lot of them, you know, just had conversations about priesthood a lot before that. Uh, but I think they all of them were in such a good position um, to, to, to receive, you know, the grace of ordination and to, to go live it well. There were a couple of things that happened. I don't know if you noticed it, but Deacon Houston told us about his leg cramping up. Did you notice that? <laughs> I heard about that. <laughs> That's funny. During like the, the litany or something like that. Yeah, he was kneeling and something <laughs> happened that. to his leg and he had to go into kind of a Tebowing uh, position. Did, that's you, so did, great. You, you didn't see that. I didn't notice when it happened, but I heard the story afterwards. We heard great. different perspectives. His perspective, and then I think it was who was beside. I think it was Father Chad who was beside him. Kind of saw into the corner of his eye, like I hope he's okay. <laughs> you okay? You know, he, his leg cramping up. Did you also see how um, Father Joseph apparently during the procession he was so busy chatting in the back with somebody? That they had to hold up the line. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> he was talking that's, I, I believe much. that. I believe that. <laughs> I hadn't heard about it, but I believe it's true. <laughs> I, I, I didn't notice it while I was, I was watching it on the live stream from home. I didn't notice it, but I was like, I asked him, so did the three of them go up and you had to run up? He was like, no, the three of them waited. Okay. And then they all I'll went I'll meet you guys go. up there. I'll meet you guys after. <laughs> <laughs> it's like paging. Father Joseph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because that reminds me, like a couple weeks after I got ordained, I had this dream that I was at my ordination, I'm about to get ordained. And I looked down, I realized I don't have any shoes on. And I was like, gosh, I need some shoes. Uh-huh. And I t- told them like, hey guys, you go on, I'll meet you up there, right? So I go into like one of the rooms in the church and then there's all these shoes, but none of them have laces and I'm going through, and I'm trying to get them. And as I'm looking for my shoes, um, like I see the ordination happening. All the guys are getting ordained without me. <laughs> <laughs> They're all getting ordained without me. Like I miss it because I don't have my shoes. And I woke up in a panic. I was like, am I, am I a priest? Am I a priest? And I was like, yes, yes, I'm a priest. I'm so a priest. It counted, it worked. You know, but I had a couple dreams like that where like I, had to, I, like I didn't get ordained, which for me, it was like, that's how much I think ordination meant to me was like there were moments I was like afraid that I'd, I'd lost it or something you know like it had been invalid and I had to you know go, go back to the bishop and do it again or something so we talked to a couple of guests recently about the pranks that are pulled on you oh yes and we went a little bit deep into it so we we kind of talked about it a little bit the last time you were on the show but one of the things that they they talked about was how they were they didn't start hard with the pranks. They went easy on it. Uh-huh. Was there a point where where somebody told you, hey, they shouldn't be pranking you? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I'm I'm one, I'm pretty easy to prank because I'm so oblivious sometimes to things. Like I walk right into I'm focused on like the next task. Uh-huh. And so even though like you know, they have certain seasons where they prank. Um, yes. I kind of, I've kind of zone out and I miss it and then I walk right into it. So I'm, I'm, I'm easy to prank <laughs> and I, I kind of enjoy it. You know, P- people who uh, spend time pranking you means that they, I, I guess they think you're worth the time. So uh-huh. um, I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but they definitely like, they're pretty next level. Like it, these are not just like your, <laughs> your mom's pranks, you know, like they, they come in hard, they plan it and, yes. and, and, and they set it up and they go big. Like it's impressive, honestly. It, I mean, a lot of people don't know that there were smaller pranks and they kind of felt it out and they saw yes. that you were more receptive to right. it and then you you were a good sport about it. So they're like, okay, now we can go to to a little more hardcore pranks yeah, yeah. to the point where your dad was involved. <laughs> 
Yeah. My dad gave him the, the spare key to my Jeep. I, I still kind of can't believe it. It's like, I, ah, it's kind of annoying how, how my parents are so cool. You know, like they're so cool. They're willing to give people like the, the spare key to my Jeep and they were moving it, putting stuff in it. And yeah, you know, I think we talked about it last Sunday, like fake broke my window, yes. you know. And apparently your dad was a, it, he wasn't just a big part of it, but he was also one of the kind of masterminds of that. As oh, I'm well. sure he was like throwing in ideas and things <laughs> like that. Well, he knows I'm cool with it too, but uh, it was it was next level stuff. It was impressive, honestly. Because I've had some conversations with some parishioners like, you know, where we come from, we don't prank the priest. <laughs> what is going it's on? It's a new era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously there's lines there, but this group knows the lines. They've never crossed any lines. It was, yeah, it's funny. But it, there's actually a history of it. I talked last time about how I got pranked at my pastoral year parish. The, I mentioned this at Easter this past year. The parochial vicar had set up a casket. Okay. And, um, you know, I had asked if I could help with the funeral. And in a long story short, I'm helping with this funeral. And the casket opens during oh, the no. funeral. <laughs> and I back away and I'm thinking like, wow, like you did it. You brought this guy back to life, you know. <laughs> and it turns out it was just some people from the youth group, you know, hiding in there. And so, yeah. So it wasn't, there was no funeral. No, they it was just, completely set up. They oh brought in a gosh. casket. For this, oh, like it, it was next level stuff. At least it just opened up and it didn't like reach out to you. And well, it opened up and a hand came. <laughs> a hand came from under this sheet, and the sheet fell off. And there was a hand, and I literally was like, "There's a video of it." I was just like, <laughs> I was so shocked. And then I saw that it was some you know, people from the youth group. Because I would have, okay. One thing that we said, um, some of the guests said, when you were scared by that teddy bear, the big teddy bear in your office, it's amazing how. I think 90% of people probably would have cursed. <laughs> All you said was, dang it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my go-to. That's amazing. I, <laughs> I, I was thankful in that moment that I don't, do not have a habit of saying bad words. I've been careful. And I think it's true. Like when it comes to language, what you say uh -huh. in private, I mean, Jesus says like what you say in the, in the darkness will come to the light. And that's I think true. that's true of like the end times, like mm -hmm. in heaven and hell. But it's also true here. If you like get in the habit and let yourself say bad words in private, it's going to uh, come out at some point, you that's know? That's true. So I'm glad as, as, a, as a priest, especially that I've, I've, I've never said bad words. I'm, I'm careful about it. I do let myself say, dang it. I don't think that's bad, but. Did you see um, the gif I made? I did. That was funny. That was funny. It doesn't that capture the well whole thing, done. though. That was well done. It doesn't capture the actual. But it, it does kind of, it, it gets the essence of it. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to confess that I have watched that over and, <laughs> and over and over. It's it's fun to watch. They, it was a great reaction. Like, I, I, I'm glad I'm glad it paid off for them because it freaked me out. Yeah. Yeah. So this year, are you kind of, you know, getting yourself prepared for the next set of pranks that are coming up? I do need, periodically, I think like, oh yeah, December's coming up, but I, I'm so oblivious. I'll probably walk right into, I, I need to be more on alert. You have to kind of remind me to uh, be on alert. So, so you're not, you're not like looking over your shoulder, trying to listen, just no. to see if anybody's murmuring anything in the background or. I'm not, I'm not, no, no. Um, whatever happens, happens and I'll enjoy it, you know. <laughs> At this point though, what can they do? That's what I'm wondering. Like they were so intense how, last year. What, how what's did you next? Top that off, pretending that your car was broken into with the glass I and know, everything. I know. I, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm interested to see, or if they're just not going to do anything this year and, they, that's and kind of fake you too. out. You're looking over your shoulder the entire time and nothing happens. It could happen. I doubt it. This is probably my last year at the parish. I, I doubt that they're going to uh, let me off that easy. We'll see. Now, speaking of it probably being your last year, the last time we spoke to you, you said you were renewed, but usually a parochial vicar stays about three years or so. Usually, yeah. And you're coming up on that, huh? Yeah, yeah. So you, you never know. There's not like a set term for a parochial vicar, uh -huh. um, but usually it's about two two to four years, depending on the circumstance. And uh, it sounds like it'll be three for me from what, what I've heard from people. You don't know. I mean, I would, gosh, I would love to be here in a fourth year. That would be awesome if they say that. But I do want to, you know, prepare myself in, in case I do get moved. Can you not say, well got to kind of cut out the COVID year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's part of why I probably got this third year. You know, if it hadn't been for COVID, I maybe could have been moved last summer. So. Oh, wow. So what kind of murmurings have you heard? Have you heard something from Father Dad? Or Not from Father Dad. Somebody um, in the Archdiocese, probably? <laughs> My parents were talking to somebody with the Archdiocese, and then they, they made it sound like they thought I, I would probably, you know, just don't get too 
just recognize that you're not going to be there forever, right? Which of I, course which I totally do. So that could be theoretically four years, but um, I want to be prepared in case it's in case it's three. How far in advance do you find out? It depends. Um, it really depends on the situation, but I would pr- probably say about a month out. You'll probably know. When should we start praying? Like what month? <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever God wants, you know. Is, is it going to be around the time of next year's ordination? Is that it? Or yeah, so usually June and July is when they when they are moving. Okay, priests. Yeah. Do you have any idea where they might send you to a larger parish? To a so that's one thing you kind of know. Theoretically, you can go anywhere, but uh-huh. um, only so many parishes need. Oh, can they can, can can they really afford to have a second priest there? In terms of with just the need for priests, you're probably not going to put two of them at a smaller parish. So, um, it'd probably be a bigger parish, you know. And everybody knows most of those places, like Saint Faustina, Saint uh-huh. Bartholomew, Epiphany, Anthony of Padua, Saint Michael's, Saint Martha's. St. Ignatius in spring, Christ the Good Shepherd, Christ the Redeemer. You know, it's, it's probably 10, 15 parishes that you could theoretically go to. Do you have a, a list of, a wish list? Not really, no. Like maybe um, I can go on the east side of town this time or... Um, no, not really. Something um, with a school? I mean, there's definitely, that would, that'd be a lot of fun. A school definitely adds another element to your ministry, you know, so that would be great. Um, but as long as there are people there and I can I can celebrate the sacraments, you know, I'm, I'm happy. Who do you think they might send here? It'd be really cool if you guys got one of the new guys. That would be awesome. Really? So I think there's a chance. Um, so Father, uh, it, it, then it'll be Father Christopher Meyer. We'll get her day. It'd be awesome if you guys got him. He's one of my best friends. He's a good dude. Uh-huh. Um, jo- Father Joseph would be coming back from Rome. Yes, so that's what I was thinking. It. Yeah. So he could come here. Father Joseph. Because um, his time here was only just a few months. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. At the beginning of the pandemic right, too. So exactly he didn't really get to like bond a lot with the people. Right, right. So to have him come back would be awesome. Um, they could switch from another parish. So someone in my class, you know, if I'm moving, I could go to one of the places they're at. They could come here. Just do a little swap. So, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to know. But uh, um, whoever it is, I know they're, they're going to be very, very blessed to be here like I was. I mean, like we talked about, we joked last time about you swapping with Father Ryan before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It could have happened. So maybe uh, Father Joseph, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, right? I don't know. <laughs> that would be awesome. Looking at your time here at St. Faustina, now knowing that the clock is ticking, what would you remember the most about your time here? You're always going to remember the people, right? I mean, that's... that's uh, that is why you become a priest is because you want to bring people to Jesus. You know, and I'm so thankful here that from, you know, seven in the morning to 10 at night, that's my focus is I'm bringing people to Jesus, you know, and I'm so thankful I live a life where I can focus on that. Um, but personally, I'm so thankful that these are people I connect with so much, right? You uh-huh. know, these are people who um, I'm so thankful love me, you know, despite, despite all the pranks, I think they do love me <laughs> and uh, that they're so easy for me to love, you know, Um Super thankful to be able to minister to them, and and, and just the stories you hear, the pe- getting to know people, you know, talking with the acolytes before mass, or um, going to lunch with Deacon Ray, or you know, having lunch with Luis and and, and Father Dad, hanging out with the staff, you know, um, just the way in which people has God has worked in their lives, and that your your path, the way He's worked in your life, somehow intersects with their path and the way He's working in their life, and now He's now working in your life through them, you know, in a really beautiful way, and He's working in their lives through you. And that's um, that's community. Like that's 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 what a church should be, and that's what it that's what it's about. God wants our journey to heaven to be one that we do with others. You know, um, so that's what I'll remember for sure. What's the biggest surprise over the, your time here? Something that you weren't expecting. Biggest surprise. So I didn't have a lot of like expectations coming in. Okay. Right. I came in kind of just very open. Like let's see what happens. Um, so I, I'm not sure if there's one specific. Um, so, well, actually, here's a surprise. I'm surprised. I, I knew that, um, I knew I'd love Father Dad. I knew I'd love the staff. Mm-hmm. I knew I'd love the parishioners. I knew we had lots of young families here. So lots of young people, kids yeah. in faith formation that I've, I've gotten to know and gotten to know families, things like that. For a suburban parish, I'm surprised we have so many active young adults, right? Usually a lot of, a lot of times young adults are, um, you know, going to school in town or they're, um, you know, they're working downtown or like midtown down. That's more of uh-huh. like a, yuppie, so to speak, kind of area and vibe. But we have an awesome young adult group here, young adults who are working out here. They go to school in town, but they commute. Um, They're working at parishes out here. Like that has been a surprise for me, just how vibrant the young adult group is and how they are so engaged and committed to the faith. 
Katie Young Adults, a lot of people in other parts of Houston, I mean, the word has spread yeah. about KYA. And that is a legacy that Father Ryan and you have kind of put forward here in yeah. St. Faustina Father or in Ryan. the surrounding area. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing how much it's grown. Yeah. Father Ryan had kind of started the group getting to go together and I kind of took up the torch and tried to keep it going. And it really has grown into something really, really beautiful for, for a group in, in today's world that really needs support, right? Young adults now, it's, it's tough in the world. So to have that community is huge and it's just fun. What plan do you have for yourself for the next parish? What... Going into the the next parish that you go to, what do you, what do you have in your mind? Okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna work on that. Have you ever have you thought about that? Yeah, yeah. Now that's a great question. I, I think wherever you're at, the mission remains the same. Like we're trying to save souls, trying to bring people to Jesus. So um, what shape that takes at different parishes, you know, is gonna be is gonna vary, obviously. But um, definitely want to be focusing on 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 the mass, focused on preaching good homilies, focused on hearing confessions. Um, and then whatever, you know, what shape that takes, you know, um, specifically for the needs of those people in that demographic, you know, you, you respond to that. Um, I think, uh, the pandemic kind of showed us in a lot of ways, the power of like using social media a little bit. And I think that goes hand in hand with, with parish ministry in a lot of ways uh -huh. that it's parish ministry itself provides the content, you know, it's social media is just a way to kind of get the, get the gospel out there, you know? So, um, I, but I, you know, you go into the parish wanting to support the pastor and, and what he's doing, you know? So I am, I am there to help, to serve, to support, um, you know, him and his mission. So it come in very open, you know, to, to, to being a servant in that way. So you're going to continue with the concerts, right? We're well, going to look forward to that, even if you're not. As long as um, the Houston Pregnancy Help Center needs needs the money, which I think they, they, they do, and as long as, you know, no one from the diocese is telling me, um, you know, however they direct me is what I'll do. So um, I'm happy to, to keep going, keep doing it. All right. So they've ne never said anything bad? No, 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 no. I've never had, never had any problems. I've already checked with people on it. Um, the vocations directors, when I was in seminary, asked about it. So, um, yeah, no, I haven't gotten any negative feedback, which is good. Cool. Now your latest profile picture on Facebook. <laughs> I love it. It's so cool. Hey, you've got you've got the skinny pants and then you've got the white shoes and everything. It's very modern. It's cool, but at the same time, you've got the collar on. Has anyone said anything to you about that? Um, I, I've too only modern? Got, <laughs> no, I've only got positive feedback from it. Yeah, I got some some fake Yeezys. Um uh, that, that I've worn sometimes the, the, the white shoes and uh, yeah I forgot when I took that when that picture was taken but uh, yeah something kind of something kind of different um, I am really big on wearing the collar I feel like you can uh -huh. wear whatever shoes you want pants mm -hmm. you want but um, the collar is such a witness to people and such a representative of of like Christ for people like people think of Jesus when they see when they see uh -huh. the collar so um, yeah whatever kind of form that takes in terms of the rest of the fit, you know, I'm all about it. I, I love the message that it sends. Like you can be cool, you can be modern, but still, you know, be a priest, have that call, be that in that way traditional. Yeah. You're supposed to be engaged in the world, you know, and you're supposed to bring people to the world, but you're not of the world, you know, and then, and then the collar shows that. That's awesome. Well, we thank you so much for everything you've done, you know, for the Houston um, Pregnancy Help Center, for the Archdiocese and St. Faustina. I'm thankful just to be along for the ride. Well, we look to hear more from you. And of course, a lot of us are going to be at your concerts and all of that in the future. And we will be following you on social media <laughs> hey, as well. Awesome. <laughs> Thank well, you thanks so for much. what you guys are doing. Always good talking. Oh, yes.